Hello, hello, and welcome to The Station Tapes on 21 Soul. I'm your host, Lewis Marks, and on this podcast, I share intimate interviews with some of the best musicians in the world. In my role at rope I interview each artist as we prepare for the release of their new record. I want to get backstory, a sense of their intent, and the motivation around the record. I found that given the opportunity in a relaxed setting, they feel free to open up about musicianship, life, and the challenges of being a professional musician. This week on the show, I had a chance to sit down with Kave Rastegar, and I was quite surprised at his background and approach to music. I expected to speak of skill, carefully crafted songs, and, well, jazz. Instead, we talked about rock and roll, punk rock, and an edge that he carries with him, whether he is playing with John Legend, Meabody, or on his solo project. The interview ran long, so we've decided to air it in two episodes. Here's the first. So I am here with Kave Rastigar. Welcome. How are you? Hey, how are you doing, Louis? I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for making great music. And I'm really excited about this because, um, you know, we get to, to dig in and talk about uh, your new record uh, and uh, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, get some, get some information about the backstory, so to speak. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm all for it. But I got to I got to start uh, digging back. Um, one of the things that I always start with here is how we met. So we, we actually haven't met, but I'm wondering, how did you connect with Ropadope in the first place? What was the point of connection? Um, I mean, I've, I'd always heard of, of Ropadope and I'd always been a fan of, of um, you know, what you guys were doing. And um, I just kind of noticed that, you know, oh, yeah, this is a, this is a place that, that's pretty cool. I want to be around here a little bit more. Um, and, uh, the, you know, the different artists that you guys have been putting out uh, are people that I, you know, some, you know, there's some friends and, and artists that I admire and um, kind of just kind of like anything. I've kind of gravitated, uh, you know, towards, you know, your way. And, um, but it was, uh, it was actually some, the, the publicists who are working the record, uh, recommended, um, uh, over at DL media recommended that, uh, I give you guys a call and, and that's kind of how the introduction was made. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so I, I just want to hear your, your, your story of growing up a little bit. Um, you know, I see Montreal and Denver. How did, how did that come about? And if you can talk a little bit about, you know, how, how music, you know, was it a musical family and what, what's the base? Yeah, I was, uh, I was born in Montreal in Canada. Um, my, my dad is, my dad's from Iran and he um, kind of made his way. He's kind of a, and he continues to be like a real, um, a real free spirit in a lot of ways. Uh, he immigrated to the States, um, followed his own kind of followed his own passion really. And, uh, it was during that, you know, he came out to the States in the, in the early seventies and was definitely part of that, that spirit of, um, of counterculture and interest in, uh, uh, counterculture and politics and the music and uh everything that goes with it he's he's he was and still is like avidly uh passionate about film 
And uh, he, you know, he kind of found his, he found himself in Southern California and wandered. That's when everyone hitchhiked. Uh, he, I think he, hitchh- he hitchhiked to Colorado and I think was here on a student visa originally. And uh, he's kind of running around, he's hustling a bit, you know, just kind of figuring things out. And I think at the time he uh, wasn't going, I don't think he was going to school and he had to leave the country and he kind of made his way into Canada. And um, that's kind of where he, he ended up, you know, his, his story is interesting. You could have a whole podcast on his story. Um, my dad, my dad is now a chef. He still continues to work uh, here in LA uh-huh. and um, he's an amazing, amazing guy. And, um, but yeah, he, you know, he, he made his way to, to, to Montreal um, and he kind of started working there and he and my mom had hooked up um, in Denver and she kind of followed him out there. Um, and, uh, you know, they were young. My mom, I think was 20 um, when she uh, had me and uh, they kind of made their, you know, like they, they, they were part of that that generation you know like they were they were you know and they, they kind of they got back into the states they they came back to denver um uh when i was two or three is your mom and uh, she persian sorry to interrupt no no my mom's american so yeah my dad my dad was in denver he was working at a gas station and so was she wow and my mom i think was 16 at the time she uh uh yeah, she was 16 at the time. Um, he was maybe like 19 or 20. And uh, yeah, just kind of a Bonnie and Clyde kind of time, uh, you know. <laughs> and a free, uh, freer time than now. Yeah. Yeah, it was a freer time. And it's like those are free years in your life, you know. It's like you're, uh, you're, you know, it's, uh, it's a really, it, it's, those 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 years are really formative and um they really you know the two of them are very much that way um they continue to be that way like free spirits in a lot of ways they're not together anymore um they split up when i was really young but they co-parented me in amazing ways um they were both very much into music so there's always music playing in the house uh both of them they're not musicians um, my my dad is very musical though. He can play he can play like the the Persian drums. Uh, he can play a little harmonica. Um, he can kind of pick up instruments. But um, he's you know he's kind of an artistic guy. But they both have a huge appreciation for music, huge love of music. And my dad, I guess, as a Persian person, you know, uh, Iranians tend to be. Uh, I always say this, like there's that stereotype where uh, like an Iranian parent is like, yeah, to this kid, like you can be anything you want in your life. You can be a doctor or a lawyer, you know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, my dad very much does not fit the mold uh, for that kind of, uh, uh, you know, Persian parent, especially an immigrant parent. A lot of immigrant parents are like that. You know, like they want, I mean, of course, you want the best for your kids. You want them to succeed, and uh, 
my dad's always wanted that too, but he was just like, you're going to be a jazz saxophone player when you grow up. Like he's like, he's, uh, you know, and he became a chef himself, which is a really crazy lifestyle and it's really intense. And, um, uh, you know, there's a ton of music in the house. There's lots of music, there's lots of culture and art and, uh, you know, kind of, I don't want to say deification, you know, but then there's a lot of, you know, real, uh, there are a lot of heroes yeah, you know, that were impressed upon me from an early age, whether, you know, be they like Muddy Waters or Stevie Wonder or, um, you know, Martin Scorsese or Francois Truffaut or, you know, wow. a lot of, you know, Joni Mitchell, Kate Bush, The Police, um, you know, Black Sabbath, The Beatles, all that stuff, you know, um, that was all, it was all free, free, you know, it was all fair game and, and art was art and good shit is good shit. Bad shit is bad shit. You know, like that's it. And wow. that's how, that's how it was growing up with them. And they were young, they were young parents. And there was a lot of, there was a lot of beauty and amazingness. There's a lot of chaos too, but um, it was also, you know, there was a ton of love and then a lot of love for like, uh, you know, yeah. Like, you know, you know, I think, you know, when I was in the womb, like Inner Visions was playing constantly in the house and uh, the Heart of They Come soundtrack, you know, Jimmy Cliff. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's, that's 75, right? So right around then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was born in 75. So it's like, yeah, Jimmy Cliff and Boots and the Maytals, Desmond Decker and oh. all that good stuff. And I grew up on Peter Tosh. Like all those records were always playing in the house. And then um, my mom and my dad split up, but they still stayed just crazy passionate about music. My mom was always playing her music and she uh, became involved with a guitar player, um, guitar player, uh, composer, who's an amazing, amazing guitar, but he's kind of like my stepdad, though they never got married, but they were together for about 10 years. And uh he, his name is Mike Johnson. He has a band called Thinking Plague, and they're still together. They would release records on Cuneiform, and uh, and man, their music was amazing. And so yeah, like growing up in the '80s, like there's a lot of Mike's music playing in the house, and like the new music coming out at the time, which would have been like Kate Bush, The Hounds of Love, or Kate Bush, The Dreaming, or Dreaming, and yeah, yeah. all the Police records, all the Peter Gabriel records. Um, the talking Heads. And then all Mike, yeah, all the Talking Heads. And I was a huge fan of the Talking Heads. Mm-hmm. And my dad, you know, like, so music was just always happening. So, like, you know, school bands, the opportunity for uh, school bands started. I went to, you know, public school uh, growing up, and you could go to, you know, school band. My dad's like, you got to play the sax. You gotta be it. <laughs> why, so do you think, I, uh, why do you think he was on about the saxophone? Is that kind of like his favorite? Like you know, he thought that's what you gotta do. Like you know, like I mean, I think you know, a lot of people they're like, yeah, jazz, 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 jazz. You know, and he, you know, he was he was always out late at night going to jazz clubs, and mm-hmm. you go and play pool. He still plays pool um, many nights a week to this day. But he go to he go and play pool at this jazz bar in Denver that's still there. It's called El Chapultepec. But I hear that they don't play jazz there as much. It used to be seven nights out of the week. I mean, you could go and hear or you could go sit in and, you know, that was a great place. And that was like my dad's spot. There you go. And uh, 
you know, I mean, like there's that there's that movie Bird, uh, you know, with Forrest Whitaker as Charlie Parker, or is that there's the uh, the other movie with Dexter Gordon, so Around uh, Midnight, I think. You yes. know, what I mean, like the D of the eighty, as you like saxophone, saxophone was on every pop song, um, and it's also the one of the like the instruments of jazz. You know, so he's just like, yeah, you gotta play, you gotta play the sax, and so, so I stepped on it. What's that? Yeah, I did. I started on the alto sax in uh, elementary school, and um, I was, you know, I was, I was pretty good. You know, I was really, I was really into it. Like, you know, you get this new instrument, you like, it's like a language, and you know, music is very much like a language. I love languages. Uh, I speak a few languages, and it's like, you know, learning a new language. You learn the, you know, like what what this key means. I had a great teacher. Uh, in elementary school, her name was Mary Parascos. She was just so wonderful and um, generous with her time, and uh, and I just kind of dove into it, and I was pretty good for my age, you know, nine years old, and I could, you know, kind of just, I kind of got it, you know, and I could do that stuff, and and I um, and there was a good band program, so I was I was. I was in good hands in that sense. And I took some private lessons with a local saxophone player. And um, the next year, I think I played in like three different bands in school. Um, and I played Barry Sax and Alto. And and, uh, and I kind of kept up with the saxophone like throughout junior high and into high school. But it was clear that it was it wasn't really. It kind of went as far as I remember, like picking out some you know, like some things that I had, like I had, I had the Dire Straits album, Brothers in Arms. And I remember picking out the melody to Latest Trick, which is Michael Brecker playing. I remember picking that out when I was like, you know, 10 years old and like calling my friend on the phone and being like, check this out, you know, like playing it on a saxophone. And, you know, like, but I didn't have a real connection to the fact. And it was right around the time I was maybe 12 years old I was super into punk rock music I loved American punk rock music I loved yeah who I loved the bad brains uh-huh. I loved I loved the first suicidal tendencies record I loved minor threat I loved the way that this music was so ferocious and the band would stop and you would hear this like insane kind of driving bass line and then the band would start up again and it's like that that sound it's like holy shit what is that that buzz and it would be that and and there would be like here tosh wanted dreader alive and robbie shakespeare's bass playing on like coming in hot and it's like that's dna music for me and it was just like fuck that's beautiful beautiful the sound of that and and I always tell this, but this is true. It's like the first bass line I ever learned was from The Cure. Um, and I was, you know, I was never really a fan of The Cure, but they were always playing. And my cousin, Sarah, was a huge fan of The Cure. We're the same age. And she, you know, she was in a like a new wave punk rock phase and had a huge crush on all of her friends. And... Um, you know, it tended to be that a lot of 
the girls that I had crushes on loved the cure. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can, yeah, I understand that. Yeah. You know, and, and that song, there's a song on their album. Their album came out in, I think, 89. The album's called Disintegration. And there's a song called Fascination Street. And there's this, this beautiful driving bass line on that song. And I remember just like, mm-hmm. there was a, there was an acoustic guitar in my dad's house that was just kind of sitting in a closet. And I pulled it out and just kind of figured that bass line out, just, you know, like with, you know, one finger on my left hand on one string, you know, like just kind of, you know, uh, pick the notes out and kind of had my version of how that sounded and just started kind of exploring, you know, that from there. And then, you know, those like that string broke and, you know, uh, I just jumped into it though. Like that feeling of like, Oh shit. Like that's this thing on this album. And now I'm kind of doing it on this guitar slash bass. And then, and then my mom bought me a bass from this kid in my high school. Uh, so I was in ninth grade and I think I was 13 and, um, there's this kid, he's an older kid in my high school named Derek Severe, and she bought me a bass for $50, and it was a 70s uh, Fender Music Master, which is like a short neck, short scale bass. And God, that was it. I was just on that thing all the time, and uh, self-taught, and just kind of went for it. And uh, by that time, she had split up with my... Uh, quote unquote stepfather but I remember he kind of sat down you know like we stayed in touch and we're still in touch and he kind of was just like oh yeah okay so this is how you hold a pick and I would start with the pick but I also put my fingers and I just I was just kind of off and running and uh that's kind of the genesis of how I got to the base really from you know from it all amazing amazing yeah I have to say yeah. I wasn't a fan of the cure either, but the, those 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 songs are good. You know? They're glorious. And those songs are beautiful. And yeah, like, you know, when they were when they're in their heyday, I was never a fan. Kind of like a lot of people. But I've come back around to them and I love that music so much. That album, Disintegration, is just a a glorious record. It's just so beautiful and intense and you know. I mean, like, nothing sounds like that today. Nothing sounded like that then, really. It's just like, Jesus, the music's so cool. But, yeah. So fast forward for me. So so that that's great. Thank you for, because that, that tells the story right there, the bass. Yes, sir. So then, then, you know, what was your first gig when, you know, once you, once you. Well, yeah, I was kind of like off and running, like really. <laughs> playing you know playing that bass all the time and uh like picking things out on albums that i have i remember like learning the song the regulator which is a song on bad brains first record mm-hmm. um and just kind of like just picking out things from tapes and records and kind of really like hustling into it and the first the first place i went to kind of you know, play with other musicians my age was my school, my high school. And, and there were, 
there were some older musicians that were, um, I was in ninth grade and they were in 11th grade at the time and they were pretty good. There was, there was these two guitar players and they were really into the blues. And that was when Stevie Ray Vaughan was still alive and they were really into Stevie Ray Vaughan. And uh, they were also really into Eric Clapton and, and the blues is always playing in my house when I was growing up with my dad. There's all those records like, uh, you know, uh, Muddy Waters, I'm Ready, and the Father and Sons records, and the you know the the British the those British albums like where it's like the British Howlin' Blue uh, Howlin' Wolf Project, British Muddy Waters Project, and Freddie King getting ready was always playing in the house, and like that was music that I just you know I loved too, and it was just, or it's just a part of like it was always playing you know, and uh, those guys were always playing and and they were the cool, like they were just so cool and they were so nice and they just kind of like took me under their wing. Um, and I was kind of like a punk rock, whatever, you know, like alternative kid, my head was shaved and, you know, I was really into the misfits and all that stuff. And uh -huh. so, you know, and I would go and hang with them and they would show me, you know, cream songs or they would show me, you know, how to play the 12 bar blues, you know, like so that they could kind of play and I could kind of back them up. And that was just heaven, like getting to hang with them and getting to kind of like uh, getting to, uh, you know, just getting to work with them. And uh, I would, you know, like uh, skip, you know, some classes to just, you know, you know, get to like so that my schedule would meet up with theirs. And and, um, and we all became really good friends. And actually one of those guys, his name is Mikey Lee Prasad. Um, this is a sad side note, but um we stayed really close friends um, and he actually passed away uh, two years ago. Um, and I had just, and two years ago, I, I produced an album for him that actually came out the year that he passed away. So um, yeah, really, really, really dear friend and really talented musician too. Um, and, uh, but uh, yeah, so I kind of started with them and then when they left for college, um, I was shit out of luck. I was like, fuck, there goes my whole, you know, my whole network, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. And, uh, I remember, and I tell this story a lot. I was 15, 15 years old and I was with my good friends and, uh, there was one afternoon with them that changed my entire life. And it was, uh, it was the summer before my junior year of high school and I was, uh, yeah, 15 years old and I went to a local music show. Uh, it was kind of like a, it wasn't a battle of the bands, but it was like a local music festival for like local rock bands or whatever. And it was in downtown Denver in this place called Confluence Park. And I went with my friends, they could all drive, I was a little younger. And we went and heard all of these bands. And I used to hear my stepdad's bands playing all the time. So I was, you know, the whole idea of like local rock bands was, was that's part of what I saw all the time. He'd go to rehearsal or I'd go to rehearsals with them or go to the recording studio with him sometimes. So it was kind of fun being there with those guys. And, but it was all of these bands that we saw, they were like, you know, guys in their older, you know, like, uh, upper 20s like they were they 
you know, to us, they seemed like ancient. They seemed like they were, you know, a, a complete other generation. And they were playing music that was like music I was not interested in. Um, but it was, you know, and then this other band comes up and it's these young guys that are like right around my age. And they're all like kind of like hippie punk rock kids with like no shirts on and just kind of like I could tell right as they were setting up that they were really funny and I could tell that they were and I heard them warming up and doing like a quick line check and I could hear that they were really good hmm. and I heard them and I was like holy shit these guys are great wow I want to know these guys and they were this local band they're called the they're called the psychedelic zombies psychedelic zombies Nice. And I a week later I was at a Primus show um, and I was in line out front of the the venue the Gothic Theater and there's this other kid in line with me and he had a psychedelic zombies T-shirt on <laughs> and I turned around and I was like oh yeah man like that band's cool they're amazing da 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 like you know I know that band and he was like oh yeah me too because the guitar player is my brother uh-huh. and inside of the show the singer was there and i didn't have anybody to play with so i like ran up to the singer i was just like hey man i love your band <laughs> you know i love your band like or like i'm a bass player you know and you know I, do you know any guitar players i can play with you know like just i didn't i don't know how you do that like how do you how do you meet people you know like how do you how do you break out of that like i only play with the kid in like algebra class you know like how do you do that and so I just said that to that, you know, to that guy, Mike, and I'm sure he was just like, who the hell is this kid? You know, he's like a few years older than me, but like was already like kind of a local badass. Well, those are big, important years right there. Yeah. How old are you? Like, they were. Yeah. 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 And he, he ended up like, anyway, like long story short, I ended up kind of like, he became one of my best friends and so did that guitar player. Uh, and that guitar player is actually on the album Light, Light of Love that I'm putting out. And, you know, that that guy, Josh, the guitar player for that band, he and I wrote a song for Bruno Mars. You know, we've written songs for CeeLo Green. Like, we've worked together in tons of capacities. And we're still, and all of those guys in that band are some of my closest friends, like, for life. And so many of my musical adventures stemmed from those early years with those guys like we all played together all the time we hung out together all the time we went camping we went on tour we went you know you know took drugs did all that stuff but yeah like all those guys they became they they continued with music and i think that's one of the big things about music that that a lot of young musicians like should really know about is that you know it's kind of like the last person standing you just you just got to keep doing it and Mm -hmm. those guys are all doing stuff like you know josh uh you know josh lopez is on the record is is has done amazing things with his career and makes amazing music is an incredible guitar player but also a great producer and songwriter and um has worked with a lot of great artists and scott sieber who is on the record uh was also part of that you know part of that early group and he again like continues to make amazing music and sounds so good and there's another guy keith who is in that group and 
has worked with T-Bone Burnett for years and, you know, done done tons of records and produced lots of things. We worked on a Kimbra song a few years ago. So it's like, you know, like, you know, in a way, like life is really long and it's amazing, like this path that you kind of take. And a lot of my early relationships, which were the, some of the strongest, kind of came from that early nexus, so like those guys. Did you have a sense at that time that, you know, you would you would be going on to uh, work with the likes of, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know, I don't know which, which names to pick out of your extensive discography, <laughs> but, you know, you yeah, yeah. Bruno Mars, John Legend, right? Um, did you have a sense? Well, I was, in a way, like those guys, like that band, they were, they were like the, they were one of the best bands, they were clearly one of the best bands I had ever seen up close. And, you know, again, like they were the same age I was, maybe a couple of years older, but they were, they were so good. And bands like No Doubt would come and they would open for them. Right. Or, you know, they would do little tours with Fishbone. And I remember Scott, the drummer and I were, uh, I was a bass tech and Scott was the drum tech on a little like regional tour with you know with the with fishbone and the zombies so i kind of saw that part of the business like early on um and that whole idea of you know like i remember i was 16 years old sitting at the mercury cafe next to you know i was hanging with lonnie marshall who continues to be one of my heroes in music and i was hanging with lonnie who you know went on to form this band weapon of choice but he had already played with Joe Strummer, who I was a huge Clash fan. He's on the first Joe Strummer record post-Clash. And I'm sitting with Lonnie because he's, you know, it's it's just those early years. Like, you know, I was 16 hanging with him and Gwen Stefani is sitting right next to us and she's talking to Adrian, or no, Tony Canal, the bass player for No Doubt. Gwen's like, you know, that's, that's Lonnie Marshall. Oh my God. You know, like, wow. And, you know, that was back when we were we were all like, really young and and uh so for me it was like the idea of like like the idea of like having a career like doing it was was you know it's like oh yeah i mean these guys are doing it like i get it like and lonnie's brother at that time was playing with the red hot chili peppers he 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 was right after john Frusciani like kind of flamed out and they needed a guitar player and they picked Arik and Arik was the guitar player. And it was just like, fuck, Arik's the guitar, you know, like, cause it's Lonnie's brother, you know, it's, it's in, you know, mm-hmm. so that I like the idea of, of, um, and, you know, and my friends were kind of like had careers and that, that was the cool thing about Denver at the time. Um, like my first gig, the first gig I played was with the band that I had in high school. I was 16 and, and it was with Scott who plays on the record. He plays on Light of Love. And um, we were opening for the zombies and we were playing to like 400 kids, like packed into the Mercury Cafe and people were stage diving. And it was just like, okay, you know, like this is, and obviously like everything after that wasn't just gravy. And it just like, I graduated to like playing with, you know, <laughs> like people that, but it was like that sense of like, I am like, I kind of always say this too. It's just like, I'm so lucky that I've always had this like real kind of naive confidence in the sense that it's like, 
you know, like, holy shit, I get to play with, like, Darren Hahn, who's, you know, was the drummer of the zombies. Like, oh, my God, I get to play with Josh Lopez. Are you kidding me? Like, or, like, I get to play this cafe. I didn't have a cent in my pocket, and I got to play with these badass musicians, and I'm, I have $12 now? Are you kidding me? Like, that is amazing. Like, versus... <laughs> Yeah, and I was lucky for that. Like my 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 dad was just like, you know, like as long as you got kind of good grades, it was just like, you know, like do you know who Sam Peckinpah is? Or like do you know who like Martin Scorsese is? Like do you know like that was what was kind of important for better or for worse. You know, it's just like so there wasn't that sense of like, yeah, but like how are you going to make a living? I mean, that stuff would always happen. It would kind of come up here and there, but it was like there was never that kind of like, oh, but you got to, you know, have music as a backup, which I think is like a, a disaster of a thing to tell somebody who's, you know, really passionate about something. Like, if they, like I'm, you know, I'm a father. I have two daughters. I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish the music business on them because it's a really, really hard road. But if they showed that they really, really, really needed to do something, you know, I, I just think it's a real, it, it's, you got to be really careful about the whole backup plan thing. You know, the idea of getting to one day play with like, you know, someone like John Legend or uh, whoever it is uh, was totally conceivable. Because I mean, I just saw, I saw friends doing stuff like that. And I kind of had that like sense of just like, well yeah you know just keep working your ass off and you just kind of and and you don't really like think about it because it's all so much fun well that's our show for the week thanks for listening to the station tapes if you like what we do please subscribe on mixcloud at 21 soul and you can also find us on stitcher apple and spotify our 21 soul video series features in-person interviews, music discussion, and live performances, and you can find that on YouTube at Ropeadope99. Big thanks to our producer, Nick Perry. Our general manager is Fran DeRubo. The Station Tapes theme song is from Red Hook Soul by Michael Blake. And big thanks to all the people who keep the flame burning, to all the musicians who pour their creativity into the world, and thanks to those of you who are taking the time to listen. We hope you enjoy the show. Bye.